Welcome to the Life Podcast. We're so glad that you are joining us for another hope-filled message. And our prayer is that you are encouraged by this powerful Sunday sermon. Hey, a huge warm welcome to every single campus. And whether you're in one of our buildings right now, you're in one of our locals, you're online, we are in a series on Sabbath. And so I put in my notes right up the top here to ask every single one of us that was here last week, how was your day off this week? Mine was good, I played golf. Golf wasn't good, but it was good to be out. But I want to arrest everyone's attention because I believe this is a very permeant topic for our day, our age, our culture. And I don't want to preach last week's message. If you weren't here, I really want to encourage you to jump onto YouTube or get the podcast, listen through it. But to recap very quickly, we discovered that the word Sabbath comes from a word Shabbat which simply means to cease from or to not work, to rest. And last week we looked at the reality that actually God himself, yes, the God of the creator of the heavens and the earth, worked and then rested. And not only did God just model this, he spoke it into being before the law with the Israelites in the wilderness. He provided manna from heaven, simply manna, is translated to what is this because they didn't know what it was. <laughs> Good old humans. <laughs> and he said, hey, on the sixth day, I'm gonna give you double portion so that on the seventh day, you can rest. In fact, he says, don't go out and work and look for it because I've sorted you out. Seventh day arrives and good old mankind, out we go to try find it. It's like it's already there. And so God, we read and we understand in the 10 commandments puts this idea, this principle, this reality of Sabbath in there in number four and expands on it. And before we get too legalistic about it and say, well, that's just Old Testament, we discovered, and we're gonna read again in Hebrews four in a moment, but discovered that Jesus in the book of Mark puts it in a great way of understanding for you and I, the New Testament believer. And if you remember it, we'll look at it a little bit later, but he says, hey, you gotta realize you weren't made for the Sabbath, the Sabbath was made for you. We've got to be careful that we don't fall into the trap of religiosity or rules and regulations that were of the time and the day in the old covenant. No, we're in a new covenant. However, make no mistake, Jesus is saying, you don't just get to say, oh, well, I'm in the Jesus club now, so none of that makes sense. He says, no, no, you've got to understand there are principles to a godly life. And if we activate them, we actually discover the wonder of what life could be. And so Jesus is saying, remember, it's not about ticking a box and doing this, but realize that it was made that you and I would be better for it. <laughs> and so we pick it up and we discover in Hebrews, and before we read Hebrews 4, verse 1 to 11, it's important to understand the context. The writer of Hebrews is trying to get a hold of the Jewish Christian to say, don't go back into your old ways of Judaism because there was a lot of, Hostility. there was a lot of persecution at the time. And so Christians were thinking, yeah, I think the old way might be better. It might be a lot easier. And the writer of Hebrews throughout the book is trying to encourage them to hold firm to the blessing they have in the new covenant. And it says this, verse one of Hebrews four, God's promise of entering his rest still stands. 
So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you may fail to experience it for the good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them, but it did them no good. Why? Because they did not share the faith of those who listened to God. Verse three says, for only we who believe can enter his rest. As for the others, God said, in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest, even though this rest has been ready since the world began. We know this, that it was already ready because we read in the scripture where it mentions the seventh day. On the seventh day, God rested from all his work. But in other passages, God says, they will never enter my place of rest. So God's rest is there for people to what? Enter. But those who heard or first heard this good news, what? Failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So God set another time, that's how good God's grace is, for entering in his rest. And that time is today. God announced this through David much later with words already quoted. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Verse eight refers to Joshua who led the people of Israel into the promised land post Moses. It says, now if Joshua had succeeded, it looked like success because they arrived at a destination, yet we start to realise they didn't trust God towards the destination. If Joshua had succeeded in giving them this rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. So there is a special rest. Another translation would say a Sabbath rest. A special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labours, just as God did after creating the world. Verse 11, I love this. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But remember, if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fall. See, the truth is, there is a Sabbath rest for every single one of us. And under the new covenant with Jesus, the way to that Sabbath rest is found in a relationship with Jesus, our high priest. But Jesus makes the point in Mark that there is a way of living that would be beneficial for you and for me. It's a God-principled way of living. We see right throughout Scripture many incredible principles of God's way, but Sabbath, as we looked at last week, is resting from our works and what we can achieve and actually accepting what's on offer, the gift given by God and doing it God's way. And if you're looking for a message title, the easiest way I could put this week and sum this week up, last week we talked about catching our breath, the fact that God for six days created and he breathed out and on the seventh day he breathed in and was refreshed. The title today is simply this, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Come on, every campus, let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Father, I thank you for your grace. We pray that You would do in us a new work that we would discover the wonder of what a principled life in you looks like, Father, as we are catching our breath and going on this journey. As you've kind of laid out, Jesus, it's not a have to, but a want to, we choose 
you over us. We pray that your word would speak, would be alive in and through our lives. In Jesus' wonderful and mighty name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Last week it was a bed. This week it's a kid's car. And it's simply this thought, if you're a parent like me, you may know that kids love this question when you're going on a fairly long journey. Are we there yet? (laughs) And if your kids are like mine, little blessings, for some reason something else comes over them when we get in the car and it could be 30 seconds, 60 seconds if we're lucky. And this question gets posed on a three hour journey. Are we there yet? And it's like, dude, we just got in the car. (laughs) Now I'm thankful for the advancements of technology. And one of those is that you can plug in Google Maps. And instead of are we there yet? If your children are like mine, they notice a little red dot on the blue line turning into a long red line and a longer red line and then it's not, are we there yet? It's like, oh, traffic. (laughs) (laughs) The little destination, timer to destinations going longer and longer and clicking up and up. Remember the good old days? Yeah, I know, I'm sounding old now, but you didn't know how long it would take. You literally had to sit there and guess and hope that you would get there because there was no ability for you to see in the midst of your hair whether you're gonna get there. And I feel like this series is, I'm doing study and learning so much and having to change a lot of my thinking. It's like God wants to arrest us for a moment to say, would you realise I've got so much more in your hair that if you would focus on here, you will eventually get there. Isn't it fascinating? Kids get in the car and they simply ask this question over and over and over again. And it's not like they were taught to be impatient. It's like we came out of the womb impatient. If your kids are like mine, it's like they are preoccupied And we as humans are preoccupied with a destination over the journey. If I could only get there, then I would be happy with my here. Or is there anyone like me where in your here and the going gets tough, you're saying, God, are you seeing me here? Because I'm not there. But if you've been saved by grace like I have, We've all got the same testimony that we may not be there yet, but thank God we're not where we once were. And I want and I hope and I pray that today, whatever campus you're in, you discover that He wants you not just to arrive there, but presence and health in your here. It's like getting in the car this week and I think it was a later night, the kids were getting scratchy and it was a decent drive home and it was like, get in the car, here we go waiting for the kids to yap up and my godly wife just gave me a nudge. She says, yeah, but you're in the car with your favourite people, remember? <laughs> yes, dear. 
See, Hebrews reminds us that there is still here and now available to every single one of us and entering into his rest. But it will come at the point verse 11 says where you and I as individuals do our best to live right by God. This is where grace extends beyond salvation and a get out of hell free card to a life beyond your wildest dreams. Sabbath is God's gift to us. I'd contend after doing some study that Sabbath is one of God's purposes for us. I think as I'm discovering, Sabbath is actually an incredible way for God to bring heaven to earth to us. And I'm discovering Sabbath is also about sharing in God's way of working. Last week we talked and focused on what the seventh day represents. Today I want to take a moment to make the point work is not the issue. Remember, God worked first. He created and then rested. Our lives are supposed to be, the Bible says, like a mirror. And so when we put them against, although he rested on the last day, we rest on the first day. We start from a place of rest, but not only did God work, We'll see in a moment, you and I were created to work. Work is not the issue, but the how and the why we work becomes very crucial because it ultimately reveals what or who we trust in. Your upbringing may be different to my upbringing and that will set you on certain paths, but if you were here last week, you will have heard me refer to my Dutch heritage. The good old Dutch saying, if you ain't Dutch, you ain't much. Amen. <laughs> now, my Oma, my grandma is here today in Central, an amazing godly woman. And if you know her story and my Parker's story, who's gone to be with the Lord many years ago, they both moved it to New Zealand from Holland. No planes back then, I don't think, so it was a long trip. Not a lot in their pocket, they met here had eight kids, one of them particularly painfully naughty, Pastor Paul, no. <laughs> Full time, seven days a week, work, 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 Dutch, 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 to create a foundation and a bedrock. That's who they were, that's what they know, and I'm so incredibly grateful for a foundation of hard work, but I've found as I'm studying to create room to study this, that in the celebration of hard work, we can start to do things out of our own strength. Wasn't that long ago where I found myself telling other people like it was a badge of honour or something that I only need five hours of sleep and I can keep going. The truth is, part of my DNA makeup, yeah, I don't need a lot of sleep, but it was like it became a thing that was like, look at me, I can work hard. Good on you, mate. (laughs) And so work's not the problem, we're gonna discover this, but how and the why and really the what we do it for matters. I found myself asking questions like, do I think I'm working harder than God is? Comes with questions when life gets tough. Hey God, are you really there? You know who you're talking to, right? (laughs) Or maybe I could frame it a better way. Do I know better than God? You see, this is where 
I found myself coming back this week to the beginning of humans where in Genesis 2, after God has been creating, he creates Adam and I want you to capture the revelation I guess I'm capturing. And it says this in verse four of Genesis 2. When the Lord God made the heavens and the earth. (laughs) Remember, it was God that made them, not us. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, neither wild plants nor grains were growing on the earth, for the Lord God had not yet sent rain to water the earth, and there were no people to cultivate or insert work the soil. Instead, springs came up from the ground and watered the land. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils and the man became a living person. It was then the Lord God, not man, that planted a garden in Eden in the east and there he placed the man he had made. It was the Lord God that made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed a tree of life, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Fast forward to verse 15 for sake of time. The Lord God placed the man that he had created in the garden he had created and he placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it, to work and look after it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat that fruit, you are sure to die. I love this passage of Scripture because it's reinforcing the point that God has done it all And now he asks us to trust and rest in him and in his way. We must realize we are created to work, but we're actually created to work from a place of trust and rest in God. Adam is in the garden of Eden where every need would be met. God has first created the garden, then he's created the man and then he's, created everything that needs to be in the garden for the man and he says, it's all yours. There's just one exception. Let me be God. And if you fast forward and understand what takes place in this reality, Adam and Eve were not only just created to enjoy and work the land, but they discover a serpent in the garden. We all know the story of the apple. (laughs) But isn't it interesting that the enemy comes in the middle of the rest, in the middle of the provision, in the middle of God already doing it all, in the middle of you and I, humankind, having it all, and he asks a simple question. If you... He takes the vision of humanity away from looking to God as source and he turns it inward 
to look at us as source. One lie from the enemy leads to chaos, distraction, destruction, and unrest, where now all of a sudden, humanity now will strive here on earth. It's getting quiet, but there's good news ahead. (laughs) Rest, Sabbath rest, allows us and affords us the ability to not only remember it's all on Him, He's done it all, He's in it all, and will be forevermore, but it allows us to praise God for our here and stop us chasing our there. It allows you and I to not live with the are we there yet mentality. I mean, think about it for a moment. Adam and Eve are in the Garden of Eden, for goodness sakes. Paradise. All you could ever want in your there was in their here. However, the enemy came in and led to a place of unrest. We fast forward not only Adam and Eve in the garden, but after the poor decisions, consequences come. And now we find a few generations in the future, the Israelites living in Egypt. Again, for sake of time, we won't go into it, but they're under the rule and the reign of Pharaoh. I want you to capture this because under his reign, we discover that work was not an option, but this is where wrong working comes in. A mindset settles on the people of God. The Israelites are the people of God, but they're under oppression. And Moses goes to Pharaoh and he says, let my people go. And Moses says, not a chance. In fact, he doubles down and he makes them work twice as hard. So now not only is work a part of what God's equation was, but we are now taught that the way we work is by striving and by striving and by striving some more. And so very quickly our point of view becomes limited and expressed in a way like, Luke, you just don't understand. I couldn't give up one day a week. (laughs) Ain't nobody got time for that. (laughs) The mindset of work was placed by God, but in a right for way coming from a place of rest of having everything we need and it shifts to a place where now we're striving just to get out. We find that this mindset is countercultural to the reality of how God set it up because the truth is God's idea and God's best is that we rest one and we work for six. In the 1800s, the working union put this idea of a 40-hour working week into existence. It was 1920 when Henry Ford of the Ford Motor Company decided that the work week would look like Monday to Friday, nine to five. Fast forward to 2023 and we are still living under the reality of that decision that became very popular and widespread throughout humanity. Now, although it might not go well for you if you turned up to your boss tomorrow and said, hey, I don't want to work nine to five, I'll just work how I like, thank you very much. (laughs) Possibly they would be a lot happier if you said, hey, you can pay me five, but I'm here for six. But that's not the point, that's not what God is saying. 
What God is trying to communicate and what I'm starting to discover is if God is God and God knows best, then we actually must submit to the reality His way is better than our way. Now next week, we're gonna look at some practicalities around what this looks like. But I want you to be reminded, as I referred to earlier, Mark 2, 27 says this, Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. You're either in one of two camps, generally speaking. Old school, must do Sabbath, tick the box. Or way over in the new school, now I don't need any of that, it's just me and Jesus, everyone else over here. (laughs) Jesus is reminding us, you don't have to do it as a have to, Old Testament, but it'd be a good recommendation if you did it because you want to, because of the way God's principles work and better your life. Whatever campus you're at, you may be like some of those in here in Central going, that's cool, Luke, but you don't understand my reality. No, I don't, but as I did some research, I found an incredible company in America known as Chick-fil-A, a fast food restaurant in the 24-7 industry. I've been there once or twice before as I've been to America. It's a godly business. No, seriously, it is. He's a Christian, the owner. (laughs) Every week since Chick-fil-A started, they are closed on Sundays. And when someone asked the owner, why are you doing this? This was the response. We close our business on Sundays because it's the Lord's day. It's our way of honouring God and showing our loyalty to Him. Remember, they're in a 24-7 industry. And now industry experts are saying this is a brilliant business decision because being open six days a week provides a reputation that it benefits their workers and persuades customers to come back with greater urgency. And if you've ever seen a Chick-fil-A in America, there's never been a time I've driven past one without a huge line of people or cars waiting to eat there. Someone did some research and the decision of closing one day a week in this industry is costing them $1 billion a year. Not million, billion. However, in a 2018 survey, it was discovered that if you took a per unit reality of a McDonald's, a Starbucks and a Subway and put them together, the per unit earning of those three would not total the same per unit earning of a Chick-fil-A. In fact, in 2019, Chick-fil-A was the third highest restaurant chain in the US by sales, bringing in $11.3 billion in six days, not seven. On average, a Chick-fil-A that is open six days, not seven, earns $4.5 million a year versus a McDonald's location that's open seven days, not six, at 2.9 million. Don't tell me this doesn't work. 
And I touched on it last week, and you start doing some study around land rest and everything, God's principles and God's way work. But thank God for Jesus, because it's not about you have to do this unless you're gonna be good enough for me, but Jesus says, I've done it all, and in me you find rest. But realise there is a way in which God created us. You see, Christians are people who are to bear witness to God with their lives. This is why Sabbath matters. I love that the reporter says, why are you doing this? Because it makes no sense. Hey, this is a God thing, not a man-made thing. And then it turns around, oh, this is a brilliant decision because your business is clearly flourishing. You know, duh, God is the God who owns it all. And when we trust Him, which is what Sabbath is about, we discover Sabbath is actually an opportunity to trust God because if you don't Sabbath, if I don't Sabbath, it's a matter of not trusting Him. See, Sabbath is an invitation to his freedom. God was trying to remind the Israelites in the wilderness, I'll provide for you, you're not a slave no more. But it took them 40 years of trusting, not trusting, trusting, not trusting, trusting, not trusting, because the mindset of the Egyptian was still on them, still in them. And God was saying, no, no, I'm gonna give you double as much on the sixth day just so you can get it. The next day you don't have to do anything, yet they still went out. God is trying to remind you and I, we can trust him with our here and we will still eventually get there. And if it was Jesus that penned these words, they're good enough for us to adhere to, he simply just says it this way, come follow me. You see, before iPads, smartphones, tablets. The car trip was not about what could entertain me on a screen. We had to come up with games. Car cricket, anyone remember that one? One point for a car, four, I think it was four for a a motorbike that came past, six for a trailer unit, truck or bus, you're out, next one's in. They lasted for a while, got good. Then we moved on to yellow car, no pun intended, spot the yellow car. And if you really got desperate, you got to I spy. (laughs) It was not great for me, I'm not the greatest speller, so starting with words didn't help, and then starting with letters didn't help, and then we went out to uh, colour vision, but I'm colour blind, so that didn't help either. (laughs) And we were so concerned with occupying the time because we didn't have Google Maps, remember, to tell us how long it was going to be, so your parents could make it up. Because the truth was, they didn't know either. No one telling you that in about 35 minutes you're going to hit some traffic at the Bombays. It's like you come around the corner, oh, traffic, joyful. I wonder how long this is going to last for. All we had was to sit there and trust Dad that he would get us there. We are constantly asking ourselves and asking God the question, are we there yet? So the question is simply this for every single one of us today, and I want you to write this down and I want you to go on the journey of answering it. What is my there? If we don't define what it is, we'll keep striving for it and we'll keep asking the same question, are we there yet? 
Because the truth is there will keep moving. Is it money? Is it a house? Is it a job? Is it a spouse? Is it a business? Is it a perfect family? All those things God wants to add to your life. But if they are your there, I would contend you'll miss God in your here. God's Sabbath rest gives you and I the ability to trust Him in our here and eventually He'll get us there. Very quickly, Psalm 23, a great psalm we like to read and we like to quote, I think is a challenge when it comes to Sabbath rest because the psalmist writes it in a way that is very personal and so I want you to be taking a look at the words on the screen as I read it and I want you to put yourself in this and is this something you could say of yourself? It says this in verse one of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along the right path, bringing honour to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. God, it's your rod and your staff that protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies and you honour me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely, goodness and your mercy, your unfailing love, it will pursue me, what? All the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Is that your reality? That He leads us to green pastures just like He did with Adam and Eve. He's created everything that we need. But we can read that Psalm and say, that's a nice Psalm and I wish I was like the Psalmist. Or we can read that Psalm and say, if that is who God is, why am I not experiencing this? Because the truth is in Jesus, we have every daily need. When we say yes to Him, we actually find rest in Him. And we go and we understand this is not just a great passage quoted by a great man of God. No, no. This can be our reality that He leads us, that He guides us. And I love this passage because it talks of the reality that Jesus is our great shepherd. And if He's the shepherd, then scripturally speaking, we're the sheep. And I want you to capture this as I bring this to a close, whatever campus you're in. There's a very real difference between cattle and sheep. Sheep must be led, cattle must be driven. So many of us, and instead of sitting in the back asking dad, are we there yet and trusting he'll get us there, as sheep trusting our shepherd, We shuffle forward and we want to drive. Shh. I've got a better way. Shh. Turn left. Go right. We fight because we want to drive our lives. But we discover that as Psalm says, when we allow Him to be our shepherd, we discover we have all that we need. See, sheep need to be led because they actually technically have no sense of direction. If 
Feeling good about yourself right now? (laughs) Left to their own devices, they wander off. They need to be led, whereas cattle need to be driven. It's funny when you do some study, when a sheep is driven from behind, they start biting other sheep. Sounds like some Christians I know. (laughs) When we get enamoured with our own way, with our own work, with our own knowledge, not only do we get lost, we start napping. Get out of my way. Who do you think you are? You don't know better. The great shepherd's calling each one of us. Hey, would you rest in me and do it my way? Because the Sabbath is a way of life God calls us into so that we can be free from the striving, free from the driving, free from the, man, I wish I was there already and understand your there, my there can be found in His here. said it last week and I'll say it again as the team are gonna minister right across life in a moment. The level of our rest in God is determined by the level of our trust in God. God's way is better. If I could put it in a screen, if you could put the second screen up, Alan. It's like we're driving, but there's an alert in the middle Driver, take a break, have a brew, chill out. Interestingly that we're only 34 kilometres in, 0.6 into the trip. Got a long way to go, but it's time you take a break. When you do so, you start realising you're not using fuel anymore, you're getting refueled. Maybe today, maybe last week, maybe next week is the opportunity for all of us to go on the journey and say, God, maybe I have been driving when you need to be driving. Or maybe I have been doing it in my own strength when I need to trust in your way, because it's better. And when we come back to a place of rest in Jesus, we discover it's not about filling rules and regulations and doing something principled that gets us true rest, those things help, but it's actually the rest that's found in Jesus and in trusting in Him. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I trust you're encouraged by this incredibly powerful word. You know, you've always got a place to call home here at Life, and I want to encourage you to join us in one of our campuses in Auckland or Tauranga, or why don't you join us at Church Online. To find out more about life and to stay connected with us, why don't you visit lifenz.org.